0: you are listening to the perks of being a book lover a show featuring two completely opposite longtime
1: friends i'm carrie who brings the practical buzzkill vibe to this partnership and i'm amy the upbeat social and gullible one Each week, we have book nerd conversations with each other and sometimes a special guest. We not only talk about what we're reading, but also book adjacent topics, such as stuff we've had to Google while reading, new titles on our TBR lists, books we've DNF'd and why, film adaptations that we've seen, and bookish news. At the end of our shows, you'll have new books to put on your nightstand and a laugh or two along the way.
0: We're recording this on a Sunday in January, and I've decided. That you always have a cup of tea and I have a cup of coffee while we're doing this. And more I, more evidence of that we're different. Right.
1: And Although we wouldn't be different if my body hadn't just decided I know, that it It's not that coffee. you dislike coffee. No, no. no it's just I do like the, coffee.
0: The coffee doesn't like you. Right. For Christmas, an inordinate number of people in my husband's office gave him some sort of tea-related items. And he's not really even a big tea drinker. I've decided... Every time you come over, I'm going to give you a different kind of tea and see what you think about it. In fact, one of his coworkers gave him a box that was like the twelve teas of Christmas or something. Oh wow! It was like a different type of tea. It's from the Louisville Tea Company, Mm. and it was a different tea for each day of the twelve days of Christmas. And so I've given you one of those. Can you taste what it is? She's sniffing it it right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, See, here's a problem. I'm not good at deciphering flavors. Okay, but. I want to say maybe a caramelly. Well, it's blueberry muffin. Do you oh. taste
0: any blueberries in there? I should have brought the little sheet that said what was in it. It was like black tea and green tea and dried blueberries and hmm. some sugar. And maybe the caramelly
1: is the sugar. Maybe. was it, Is it a thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah, it's a thumbs up. It's you like that one? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, but see, that's the only thing, you know, like, maybe it's because of my allergies. I don't know. But you know how when you read wine bottles and it'll say hints of, or, you know, burnished oak and caramel and pear and like all these random things, you know, like nutgrass and whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, I taste nothing. I, I mean, I taste that it's wine and it has alcohol in it, but I don't. Have the ability to decide. But you know things. if you like it or
0: you don't like
1: it. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is good. Okay. I, although actually, when you told me it's blueberry, I'm like, I have very like sort of strict rules about blueberries. Really? Yeah. I did not know this about you. Well, I, I have weird not, not rules, but just you know what you know what you like and what you don't like. So I love fresh blueberries, and I love blueberry muffins, mm-hmm. and that is it. I don't like blueberry pie. I don't like blueberry jam. It's either fresh blueberries. Now, I will use frozen blueberries to make blueberry muffins. So what about, like, blueberries in a smoothie? Nope. I don't even really like smoothies. Oh. Okay. Yeah, think of another one. No blueberry pie, no blueberries in a smoothie. Not like a blueberry crunch or crisp? Nope. Or, nope. Uh, a cake? Nope. Not really. Although, although, didn't you get, it was like a blueberry lemon cake? Yes, I did make a
0: blueberry lemon cake
1: once. That that? was from, uh, where was that? More Nordic Bakery. Oh, yeah, 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 Didn't they make a fluke cake or Uh, something like that? Yes, yes, a fluke, a fluke. Okay. F-L-U-K-T, which I don't know what that means, but it was a delicious cake. It was really good. Okay, so that was an exception. Normally, but if it's like blueberry lemon, it gets a little bit of a pass, but it, in, but cake, I can do that. But if it was a blueberry lemon pie, nope, not doing it. Hmm, okay. I have no idea. It's just.
0: Okay. But you couldn't tell this was blueberry. But now that I tell you, you're like. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Well. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm almost done with it. So. It wasn't that bad. No, it's good. Okay. It's good. I like it. Cool. But this doesn't have sugar in it. I don't mm-hmm. put sugar in my tea. If it had sugar in it, I would not be able to drink it. It would be too sweet. Too sweet.
0: Okay. Well. I don't know if I've told you this, but I am back to doing puzzles. I did puzzles back during COVID, during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, and I did several and I enjoyed it. But then I was like, "Mm, okay, I'm over the puzzle thing. I just have had a desire to do a puzzle again. So my husband and I did one recently that was of Ireland. And we'd been to Ireland recently. So that one was fun. I've even ordered a puzzle board. So that I can keep it tidy because one of my sons has all kinds of things set up with this game that he's playing on one side of the dining room table and I need the other side and he and I are jockeying for space. Mm. Like who's over the halfway point. So I've ordered a puzzle table. When
1: you say a puzzle board, yeah. does it sit on top of the dining yes. table? Yeah. And does it have like it handles dr- that you can mm. lift it up? How does well, I don't know. Work? But it has little drawers where you can separate your pieces Okay. and
0: you can easily move it like off the table. Okay. right okay. when you're not doing it like okay. if you needed to use your table okay okay but this this puzzle of ireland we were doing it and i noticed that there were a couple pieces missing and then i looked over and my golden retriever peaches was chewing up a couple pieces <laughs> and that's not really like her she's kind of a getting to be a older lady now she's like eight you know, but she's very mouthy. she is very mouthy, but she doesn't normally chew things up like she likes to carry shoes in her mouth or mm. different objects in her mouth, but she but she's a soft mouth like she's not she's not a chewer. she's just a yeah. likes to have
1: something in her I mouth. mean
0: she does like to chew things, but like chew toys like she's okay. not she doesn't really chew up shoes or anything, but she was chewing up these darn puzzle pieces. And I'm chalking it up to the fact that the vet told me that I needed to put her on a little bit of a diet. And I put her on diet food. So now she's decided that even the puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. She needed
1: more fiber in her Yeah, diet. I
0: know. Even the puzzle pieces tasted better than the <laughs> diet
1: food I put her on. It's like, she's like, okay, if it's between air and eating a puzzle, I'll eat a puzzle. Yeah. Poor baby.
0: It's because I have three dogs and it's really hard to separate them out and say, no, you can't. And if I put her in a room by herself with the food, she won't eat the food until I open the door back up. So anybody who has three dogs who has this issue, how do you feed them separately different foods and get them to eat? Because, of course, they're like children and they want what the other dog has, Mm -hmm. no matter whether it's better. Because, of course, the other dogs want to eat her diet food because. It's not their
1: food. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having some issues with that. Now on to bookish things. I've been having an existential bookish crisis, maybe. Yeah, you have. You've been thinking about this a lot. I have. Uh I have. Okay.
0: So we've had several conversations where you have (laughs) talked a long time about this subject. And so we're going to just do it on the show and we're going to get it all out in the open. And
1: yeah, You're going to be over it. Well, no, I doubt that. But what do reviews even mean? I really struggle with reviews. And, and here's why. So I've been thinking about three star reviews. So I I don't give a whole lot of five star reviews because I feel like five star reviews are for a book that blows my mind, you know. And then a four star is like, it didn't blow my mind, but it was really, really good. Okay, so here's the problem I have. Like, I, and one and two stars, like a one star, I'm probably not even going to give because if it's a one star, I'm probably going to DNF it. And we talked about this. And a two star is like, man, I got really close to DNFing this, but somehow I stuck it out. Okay, my main problem is with a three star review because I don't know what to do with a three star review because there are a lot of books that I give three star reviews to, but that doesn't mean. That they suck, but when I see other people's three star reviews in my head, I'm like, Oh, should I read this? It's a three, so that's what I've been having issues with is the three star reviews and what the heck. What do reviews even
0: mean? (laughs) What do they even Even mean? mean? So I agree with you. Like, there are books that I give three stars to. I've almost decided I should wait a while before I give a book a a star rating because sometimes my initial impression when I first finish a book and I give it a a star rating, say I give it a three star review. But then, like, maybe if I'm still thinking about that book months later or I decide, yeah, I want to read all the sequels to this. Mm then is it really a three-star review? Because I'm still thinking about it. I obviously want to read the other books. I don't know. I'll give you an example. There's a YA series that I really like. It's a mystery series called Truly Devious.
1: I really like it enough to give it three stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By Maureen Johnson.
0: And I read the first one and I liked it, but it ended on a cliffhanger, which kind of made me mad because I, I generally don't read series. So I'm not used to the, cliffhanger. And by cliffhanger, I don't even mean that, you know, there's some books that kind of end and you have to decide for yourself. It's ambiguous, right? Uh Like you have to uh kind of decide for yourself maybe what happened. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking like literally it's a, and then read the next (laughs) book to find out what happens. (laughs) Not in those exact words, but kind of like that, right? Right. And so I think I was ticked off. And so I gave a three star. (laughs) But then I have read all the subsequent books and enjoyed them. Do I think they're great literature? No, but they are totally like a guilt. I shouldn't say guilty pleasure because reading a book is not, you don't need to yeah. feel guilty about that, but they're totally something that I just love to, to read them. They're fun. They're fast paced. She has a new one out. The newest one in the series called nine liars. I'm on the uh, library holds <laughs> list for it. <laughs> so
1: obviously you're hooked. Yes. So, Okay. All right. Here's my three-star canon. One of them. Okay. Okay. So, I, as a general rule, am not a YA. I'm very specific about the YA books that I like and that I would give four-stars to. Just like blueberries. Just like blueberries. Okay. So, here are some examples of... Books that are considered, like if you look up a YA list, which even some of the books I looked up YA list, you know, and I'm like, I don't even consider that a YA book. So here are some books that have get, gotten four or five stars for me that are considered YA. The Book Thief by Marcus Suzak. His Dark Materials Trilogy by Philip Pullman. Uh, Speak by Laurie House Anderson. Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Mm -hmm. Those are all four or five star reads for Mm -hmm. me. Okay. But most other YA books for me are going to get three stars. So, for example, if the YA book features a female protagonist who is so darn sure she knows what's up... Automatic three stars for me. Like, that is just, it just
0: drives me crazy. But I suspect that you might have been that girl when you were a teenager. Oh, yeah, I know I
1: was. (laughs) I know I was. And it drives me crazy. And so most poetry books are going to be three stars for me. So if
0: somebody who doesn't know you well looks at your Goodreads rating and sees that you gave a YA book or a poetry book three stars, they should not take anything from that.
1: No. No. And so, so then here's what I'm thinking. Like, when I look at other people's books and see three stars, it makes me pause and think, well, what is their three star? My three star can mean, I like this, but not quite enough to give it four stars. But it can also mean, well, it has a protagonist that was female and thought she was so darn sure she knew you know what i'm saying like it's sort of meaningless so i i've even started doing like four minus three plus three minus to try to make a uh, little more differentiation a
0: little bit because you have to so if you read somebody's review their star review you have to say well is that a genre that's maybe just not their genre like for instance for me romance For the most, I mean, there are a few romances I've given fours, but for the most part, all romances for me are going to be a three because some people love the fact that you know how it's going to end. I don't really love that about a romance, that Mm -hmm. you know how it's going to end, that you know it's always going to have a happy ending. Mm -hmm. I want there to be a little more.
1: But not a cliffhanger.
0: (laughs) Not a cliffhanger. I don't want a cliffhanger. But I also don't want to automatically know how it's going to end. So for me,
1: I might enjoy
0: them. That's not to say I'm not going to enjoy them, but I'm probably not going to rate it higher than a three. Right. For the most part. Right. So
1: So I was thinking about, okay, so I was thinking about some books that I have read that I gave three stars to. There were things about them that I thought were interesting, but like, okay, here's some. Uh, Happenings by Annie Ernault. She actually won the Nobel Prize. She wrote a book, or it's really, it's a short novella called Happenings. And it's about her getting an abortion when she was in her early 20s in France. And, I mean, it was interesting, but again, it wasn't like I loved it. So it got a three. Um, Another one, The Most Precious Substance on Earth by Shashi Bhatt, got a three. wasn't bad, but it's the story of a... It starts out when she's uh, early high school. Well, something happens in relation to one of her teachers. And I mean, it's not like so horrendous that it screws up her whole life. You know, it kind of goes through her growing up and then she becomes a teacher and sort of what happens and how this thing that Mm -hmm. happened in, in relation to her teacher affected her when she was a teacher Lucia by Alex Phoebe. I was really excited to read this because it was a fictional story about James Joyce's daughter. And so I was really super excited to read it, but it was very experimental. And again, I liked it. I
0: think that's one of the interesting things about books and reading and literature is that really, if you think about it, I mean, the writer is writing something But it's not really a whole until a reader reads it. And that makes the whole experience. Uh So every different reader has a different experience. And it's almost a different book. Like I think about (laughs) there have been a few books I think about in book club that are some of my favorite books ever. And we have read them in book club. And the reaction to many of the other book club members has been negative to the book. And it has like almost thrown me over the edge. (laughs) I mean, not just like it's not their favorite book, but like they actively just didn't like it, which I can't even imagine. So one is <laughs> Homegoing by Ya Gyasi, which is one of my favorite books ever. It is a book It starts in the 1700s in Africa, and there are two sisters. One of them is captured as a slave and goes over to the United States. The other one marries the slave captain of the ship and stays in Africa. As one of his wives. And so each chapter is alternating story about one of their descendants, each generation up until present day. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was amazing. Well, we, this was several years ago. We had a book club about it. Now, I think I might have been in a bad mood prior to going to book club. But I remember it was a summer day. We were sitting out on a deck. We were drinking wine, talking about this book. And everyone was talking smack about it. and now, I, I wasn't because I gave it four stars. Right. I don't know that you were there. But I think a lot of people didn't like it because it felt choppy to them. Because you don't stick with any one character more than a chapter. I didn't have a hard time following that, but I think some people did. And so I think that was their major complaint about it and why they didn't enjoy it. But at some point, I just got really ticked off. And I left early. <laughs> like, I'm taking my book and going home. <laughs> and then there was another one. And I did not pick going. That was not my selection for book club. But there was one time I did pick one. that uh, One of my selections, it's called American Ghost by Hannah Nordhaus. And this is nonfiction. But it's sort of her... Uh, researching her ancestors who had come over from Germany. They were Jewish immigrants. They came all the way to Santa Fe to set up a um, a dry goods business. But they got very wealthy and they, they built this house, which is now a very famous hotel in Santa Fe, but it's supposed to be haunted. So the whole premise is... It's supposed to be like her great grandmother haunting this house, but she goes back and does research about her family to figure out why would her great grandmother be haunting this house. I love this book, too, because it mixes several things that I like. I like sort of ghosty type of things. It's also creative nonfiction. It's memoir. It's history. I loved all, all of it. But I think some people in our book club were expecting that it was going to be like a real ghost story. And you were going to find out at the end, like why she was haunting this house, which isn't exactly the way that it worked. And so I know I shouldn't get my feelings hurt, but I did get my feelings hurt that nobody liked the book but
1: me. I'm I'm looking now. I gave that one four stars too. Yeah. It didn't inspire they didn't love it the way you loved
0: they it. They didn't love it the way that I loved mm-hmm. it. So I guess you could look at it like this. They didn't interact with the book the same way that I interacted with it.
1: Which is okay. If I was an author of a book, I would never go on Goodreads. No. I would never even look because I don't want to know what other people... I don't know. I think I would just, for my own mental health, I could never go on Goodreads and look and see what people said about my book. Or I'd go insane. Although... I'm sort of the opposite of you. I have picked so many books that our book club has not only actively disliked, but have disliked enough that they have voted. Worst book of the year. Yeah, but I've gotten that one a few times, too. But I still reign as the person who's gotten the bowl the most times. My name is on that bowl more than anybody else in book club. Well, if you're wondering
0: what the bowl is, this
1: started many, many years ago.
0: We have this, what we call an ugly bowl. It's a bowl made out of, like, shreds of a book, basically. And someone has, like, paper macheted into a bowl shape. And we call it the Ugly Bowl. And if your book is voted, you know, least liked book of the year by the majority, you get this bowl. And you have to sign it and date it and, and put, put the, the name, name of the book. book on it. It's all in good fun. They they still get a prize, yeah, right, right. you know, among other
1: awards. So anyway, Carrie has gotten it the most times, but you're kind of proud of it. I am totally proud of it. Yeah, so yeah. It's okay. I don't really get. I don't really get my feelings hurt over it. But it's fun for me sometimes to watch the dynamic of when somebody picks a book and then people start saying in book club like well i didn't like this i gave it this many stars or whatever and to listen to the person who picked it convince them of why it's good which mm-hmm. is kind of funny and also a little bit uncomfortable to watch but anyway i've just been struggling with that lately and i and here is why here is why good lord i don't want to ever be one of those Whatever an influencer is, I don't want to be one of those. But I think that people who know me know I read a lot of books. And so when they friend me on Goodreads, I think they look at what I am reading or what I want to read, and that may influence their reading. Or You know what I mean? Like they may be like, oh, Carrie really liked this book. I want to read this book, which is fine. But I also think about, well, I shouldn't pay too much attention to three star reviews. I should read what I want to read. And actually, I try to do that. I try to not read reviews and just look at a book and just kind of the synopsis. Because again, something that somebody else gave three stars to might be something that's a five star read for me. So I, I guess that's part of it. The whole like influencer thing. I feel like going, okay don't let me influence your book reading choices because I'm not you. I have weird, like again, YA, that is not for, for somebody to look at a review. I give of a YA book and be like, well, I shouldn't read that book. <laughs> My three star is useless to you. You shouldn't use that to judge anything. Uh, I, I mean, uh, and, and with romance, same with me, unless it has a Minotaur in it, I'm probably not going to like a romance book. <laughs> I'll be like, "Eh, no, it's all right, you know. So when you are picking book to read, do you go
0: on Goodreads to see what kind of ratings it has before you start? Uh,
1: no. No, I don't. But here's what happens. When I add it to my TBR, like I will look up the book so that I can add it to my TBR. And when you look up a book, you're going to see what ratings it gets. Yeah. So like if I hear about a book... And it sounds interesting, I'm going to add it to my TBR. But when I'm adding it and I see, oh, it has three stars, it doesn't stop me from adding it. But I do have a momentary pause where I see, oh, its average review is 3.63. And again, it doesn't stop me from adding it, but I do have that momentary pause. I think what I'm saying is I don't think anybody should have a momentary pause over a three-star book. Yeah. Because a three doesn't tell you anything.
0: Well, I'll tell you a, a recent story from my reading life. So I am currently listening to an audio book. It's a mystery by Laura Lippman called Lady in the Lake. And it's a book that our favorite bookseller, Sam Miller, Hmm. I think it came out several summers ago, but she mentioned it in her summer reading episode because Laura Lippmann is one of her favorite writers. And so I'm listening to it on audio and I'm enjoying it. And I, and I go to add it to my TBR because sometimes with audiobooks, I won't add them for a while because I'm never quite sure if I'm going to continue them. I have to see whether the audiobook narrator vibes with me. So I was adding it, I was al- already fairly well into it, probably like 20-25%. And I see that someone that I'm f- I'm friends with on Goodreads, and I, I enjoy their reviews, had given it a two star and had DNF'd it. And I thought, that's really weird. And so when I was reading her review of why she had DNF'd it, she said there were just too many characters and she couldn't keep track of them all. And I think that she read the physical book form and I'm listening to it. And so I wonder if that might be the difference. Uh, because the audiobook narrator of it is doing a good job of using different voices to differentiate between get the characters. So I'm not having any trouble with keeping track of all the characters because it's a book. Its focus is on one main character, maybe two main characters, and all the other voices are just kind of like periphery. They're coming in to sort of tell one little piece of the story. But had I read her review first, I might not have ever started that book. And I'm glad that I continued on, even after seeing her review, because I am enjoying it. Mm -hmm. But again, it's every reader has a different, you know, it's like a different chemistry Mm -hmm. with different books. Mm -hmm. So I will
1: sometimes read reviews after I finish a book. Because if there's something about the book I didn't like, I think, like, am I just being nitpicky. Yeah. You know what I mean like it, it, am I making a mountain out of a molehill? Because you know, I have just mentioned like how particular I am about blueberries. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay, is this a blueberry moment for me? And so sometimes I will read the book and if I see that there are other people who say similar things, then it sort of makes me feel like, okay, this is something that other people are seeing and maybe having an issue with in the book. So it, it isn't necessarily I'm just being weird. So I, I sometimes I will use reviews in that way just to sort of validate like, okay, I wasn't just imagining this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, as a general rule, I tr- I try not to look at, look at reviews before I read books. But again, it's not so much my behavior, but I think about like if other people, friends of mine or you know people that have started following me read my reviews reviews are sort of worthless i mean you know what i mean they're sort of worthless and even my five-star reviews just because a book is a five-star review and i think it's amazing doesn't mean that everybody's going to think obviously it's amazing, you know? with
0: with the stories that i just told today
1: yeah. about my some of my favorite books yeah. and people who i know well being yeah. like eh, no, yeah no not for me yeah I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't bother me if other people don't like what I like, but I don't want something I am like "Eh," about to influence them and keep them from reading a book that they might love. And so that's my, that's my biggest concern is don't listen to me. Don't listen to me and really don't listen to other people and what they review books as, because in a way it's kind of neither here nor there. (laughs) here's my analogy you know they say that perfume smells differently when you
0: spray it on different people mm-hmm. that's what i'm gonna say is yeah. that each book is going to be a little different for each person and this perfume that smells awful on me might smell good on you yeah. and vice versa yeah so good all,
1: all right. right i feel better
0: okay good you've you've gotten it all out of your <sighs> system now i have i think we need to take a little break yeah we'll be back in a minute
1: Okay, we're back. I have a question for you. What's that? Okay, so there's a book that's been getting a lot of attention lately. And so I'm just curious if this is a book you would ever have any desire to read. So it's the the memoir Spare by Prince Harry. Yeah. Is that, I mean, do you have any?
0: I don't have a lot of interest to read it because I don't often read celebrity memoirs. Mm Mm-hmm. Although, I have read a few that people have said, oh, you must read it. Like the Dave Grohl. Mm -hmm. You talked me into reading that. I don't know anything about Dave Grohl. And now I'm a Dave Grohl fan. (laughs) I'm so glad I read that. So I'm not saying I will never read it. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a huge desire to read it. It's funny. I've seen so much about it on social media. And from what I can tell, there's a big divide between what Americans think about this book and what British think about this book. Mm-hmm. Americans seem to be like, oh, Harry. You know. Like, Feel sorry for foreign, him. Yeah. And the Brits are like, he's ruined the royal family. <laughs> he is ungrateful. And so, like, I did never see the Oprah interview. Yeah. I don't know enough about the whole situation, really, to make a a, a judgment
1: mm-hmm. about it. What about you? So, I have mixed feelings. Because... <sighs> Again, I'm contrary. So I sort of like the idea mm, the monarchy has historically been a center of power, a center of prestige. And I sometimes like it when things that are a center of power and a center of prestige get a royal kick in the butt. Because I think that there can be a lot of bad things that happen in those insulated and isolated centers of power. So there's a part of me that's like, yes, go, Harry. You know, like, <laughs> you know, whatever it is you're saying. I don't know if it's true or not, but yeah, I'll stick it to him. But then there's another part of me that I sort of hate people who put their dirty laundry mm. out for the public to, especially when they've been like, we just want the press to leave us alone. Yeah. I, that to me, I'm like, okay, well, you can't say we want the press to leave you alone and then do all these very public interviews and write a book and all this stuff. So there's a little bit of um, hypocrisy. So in some ways there's like hypocrisy on both. I, I think centers of power and prestige can be big time hypocrites, but I kind of feel like what Harry and, and Megan are doing or, is a little bit hypocritical. So it's, it's a book that I might consider reading. I wouldn't read it now because, again, books that are getting a lot of airtime and people are talking about them, as a general rule, I don't want to touch them when they're popular like that. So it might be something that I would read, you know, down the road. I'm, I'm not going to put myself on a wait list of 800 people or whatever to try think, to read it. There's definitely part of me that finds them... As you
0: say, putting that dirty laundry out there, I find that kind of cringy. So I'm kind of turned off by that. But Erin Keane, who we interviewed last season, she has a newsletter and she's a cultural critic. But she had an interesting article in her newsletter uh, about the book. And I liked her take on it, which is that sort of what you were saying, centers of power and that the monarchy might be a little bit of a a, a rotten system you know it's kind of entrenched it's been around so long but like bad habits have formed mm-hmm. and things and the only way that harry can uh break that system is to like expose it to the light yeah. and so we we can probably link to that article in our show notes but i recommend reading her her insights on it right um so yeah i'm, I'm a little bit cringy about it but i don't know if lots of people think that it's has more value than just like a gossip page. Then mm-hmm. I might be willing to mm-hmm. to read it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, right. that's. I was just curious. Just curious. okay.
0: So speaking of things that we're really reading, for real. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. are you reading right now?
1: I just finished a book that is one of our book club selections, but it, I don't think we're reading it until like I don't know September. I think it's October because it's my pick. It's for October. <laughs> Okay.
0: One thing you cannot you cannot say about Carrie, she is not a procrastinator. I am not a procrastinator.
1: No. <laughs> so anyway, so Mexican Gothic is by Silvio Moreno Garcia. This was a book that was on my TBR list. If it says Gothic, I'm I'm always interested in, in Gothic books. Um I have to say it is an excellent example of writing about Gothic houses and sort of the feeling. That these houses could have. <laughs> it does an exceptional job. The way the house is described, the setting, the feel, it is perfect, really. So this is the story of Noemi Toboda, whose father asked her to head to the Mexican countryside to check on her cousin, uh, who has married an Englishman the family doesn't know anything about, okay? And Uh, Noemi's father has received a strange letter from the cousin who has begged for help And, and you're sort of wondering like The letter, it's like, is she going crazy? Does she actually need help? You know, there's just something odd about it. It doesn't really sound like something she would write. So off Noemi goes, and boy, does she find a weird place. So the home is dark and creepy, and things aren't what they seem. She begins, not too long after arriving, she begins having nightmares, and she thinks she sees, or maybe she does see, the wallpaper pulsing. So, you know, like, imagine if if you're sitting in your house and you have wallpaper on your walls and it's floral or, you know, some kind of design and you see it moving and pulsing. <laughs> so it's a multigenerational family that lives in this house. They have silent meals. I mean, like, and, and so Noemi, she's, she comes. She's a visitor. She's expecting to have, you know, to be welcomed. And they're like, Silence! At these meals during mealtime. And sometimes the family after dinner will visit the patriarch of the family who's in his bedroom. And he has like these strange dark sores on his body. He's a very old man. Again, he came from England. And he has views of the Mexican population that probably Hitler would find admirable. Mm. He's very creepy, very old. And... He would spark fights at the modern Thanksgiving dinner table. Noemi doesn't want to stay, but she can't leave her cousin. And there's some confusing things that are happening in the house, as I've mentioned. So eventually, Noemi discovers that the patriarch found a secret in Mexico that he has twisted and turned to his own dark purposes that has left the family trapped and sick. So, how'd I do? Did I sell it? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, that's all I'll say because, you know, at the end it, you figure it out, but it's creepy. And I, I think actually I would use, you know, because I teach high schoolers. And so this would be a book that I think if you were trying to, even if you wanted to not read the whole book with students, but even take some Is example sentences of of really excellent writing about setting and about, you know, gothic. What's gothic? This would be an awesome example text.
0: So I am a little bit floored because the book that I finished recently, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of similarities between them. Really? Yes. So the book that I'm going to talk about is called Gallant by V.E. Schwab. And I finished this, um, I don't know, like last week, I think. And I I wanted to read another V.E. Schwab book because in our year-end roundup, I talked about reading The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue and how much I liked that one. And I liked her writing style and I wanted to read another one. Well, Gallant is the book that she released in 2022. So I think her most recent one. And it is also sort of a gothic book. Uh, its main character, Olivia Pryor has grown up in a school for girls in Great Britain, maybe Scotland, because that's where V. Schwab is from. I don't know that it ever says exactly where, but it's in the UK somewhere, right? Olivia is mute and she also sees ghosts or she calls them ghouls, but she's not really scared of them. She knows that they're not really going to hurt her, but she can see them. And she's never really known her parents except for a journal that was left by her mother, and in it, her mother sounds like she's going mad. And the last line of the journal says, you will be safe as long as you don't go to Gallant. So she, I don't think Olivia really knows what Gallant is, but she she keeps this diary very closer, and it means a lot to her because it's the only piece of her mother that she has left.
1: Does she make a beeline to Gallant? Well, as she's
0: hitting 18 which is a time when she would age out of the school anyway, a letter comes uh, from her uncle saying that they have been looking for her for, for a very long time. They've been sending letters all over the country searching for her and that she has a home there and that, that she's wanted. She should come back to this, this manor, which is called Gallant, right? So she then is shipped off to Gallant. And it's this large manor house and she's greeted with some suspicion because the uncle died months earlier and they feel like couldn't possibly have sent this letter. But at the house is her cousin Matthew and two house servants. So they take her in and then she lives in her mother's old room and she wears her mother's old clothes and she spends some time there and finds out more about what happened to her mother and to this house, which seemingly keeps its inhabitants from leaving the grounds. Mm, like her,
1: that does sound so like. So her, her cousin
0: Matthew almost looks like he's he's almost like withering away, and the inhabitants feel like they can't leave the grounds past this little stone wall in the garden that goes around the house for fear something terrible will happen. And so she wonders, will she ever be able to leave now that she is here? So it's a melding of a haunted house uh, and a fantasy. It reminded me a bit of a Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. book. Um, it's not really scary, but it's definitely gothic and a little bit creepy. So I both listened to this and read it in a physical form at the same time. and it's a solid, enjoyable audiobook. And I've just decided I'm really a fan of Schwab's writing style, and I want to read more of her books. My only caveat with this, and I and I really enjoyed it. I want to read more of her books. I gave this four stars. There's something um, that I think it's, it's more about me than the book. Mm-hmm. And there's a plot point in this. I'm not really going to tell you what it is, but, because I don't want to ruin it. But it's fantasy-based. And it didn't really work for me, mainly because <laughs> she doesn't really explain why this is the way it is Mm. but it's fantasy right so anything can happen anything can be but i think because i'm not i've been reading some more of it but it's not like a go-to genre for me usually and i want there to be explanations for things i guess i'm like that toddler who's like but why? <laughs> but why? But there's not always like an answer for right. everything, right? So it didn't ruin the book for me. It was just slightly irritating to me. But again, I think it's because I'm not a regular fantasy reader. And again, don't let that put you off of the book because maybe for you, that's not you're, you're, no, that's yeah. not off-putting at all. Anyway, again, I did enjoy the book. It wasn't enough to ruin my enjoyment of it. It was just like, it's like that little piece of sand in the oyster shell that's like, but... But why, why, why
1: is it like this? Right? <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know when you read Mexican Gothic, you do get an answer. okay. And I can't tell you what the answer is. Yeah, but it's in your wheelhouse. Okay. I will say that. Okay. that's all I'll say. Maybe what I should do is I should read Gallant around the time that you're reading Mexican I Gothic. Think so. and then we
0: can circle back because I had no idea that there were so many similarities in the storylines. Mm-hmm that's well and and in
1: mexican gothic there's a cousin of noemi that it lives in the house and so that's that's really yeah weird servants yep yeah
0: yeah yeah. wow okay again that was gallant by v e schwab very good i've already added it to my list okay let's take one last break and when we come back we're going to talk about some i don't know other stuff other stuff Okay, we are back. And, you know, we haven't talked lately, Carrie, about things that we've been watching.
1: Yeah. Have you seen any good shows lately? Uh, Well, okay. Or so, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dean and I did start watching the new season of His Dark Materials. That series, I love that series. So I'm completely on board. You know, obviously there are some minor differences between the book and the movie, but. Is James McAvoy, does he, has he made an appearance yet? I oh, yeah. I do like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his long his, his hairs longer. It's pulled back in in, in like a, a I don't know if it's a man bun or no. A man it's like the ponytail. top of it the, like the top of it is pulled back like in a ponytail. Yeah, he looks pretty rough and ready. So Ooh. yeah, uh, he's he's in it. But the 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 thing is, so the characters, the child characters, have grown up a lot. When you read the story, when the last book in the series, The Subtle Knife. When that is happening, I think they're still supposed to be pre-puberty. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and um, There's no way these kids are yeah, still... Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. Like, uh, the the character who plays Will is, like, really tall now, and Lyra has developed. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, the story's still excellent. But in terms of, like, if you were one of those people who's like, it has to match the book exactly, I'm like, well, in the book, it's, like... right after puberty or right at the cusp of puberty. And that's always the problem with
0: (laughs) series that involve children. Like I think about, you know, I think about the Harry Potter books or even like stranger things. Like they grow up. That's just what happens. But anyway,
1: that's good. And then last night we watched, speaking of Harry Potter, Oh, the Harry Potter series. uh, This has a connection. We watched the pale blue eye. Uh, So I did, I did not know really anything about that. But la la la! Don't tell me anything ab- I about the story because it's I've, a book. It's a book, and yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I've checked it out of the library. I won't tell you okay. anything. I won't tell you anything. Okay. But what I will tell you is that number one, it was good, and number two, person who plays Edgar Allan Poe is the same character who plays Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter movies, and he does a fantastic job as Edgar Allan Poe. He has well, it didn't hit me until like close to the end of the movie. I kept thinking all during the movie, I've seen him. Where have I seen him? Where have I seen him? And I knew I had seen him from, he was actually a character in his dark material. See, I'm coming full circle, right? His character played in an earlier uh, episode of his dark material. So I knew he had been in that, but I kept, where else have I seen him? Do you do this? Like, and I didn't have my phone near me, so I couldn't IMDB him. So it hit me at the end. I'm like, I know, I know where I've seen him. He was Dudley Dursley in Harry Potter. Yeah. But did you know that if you are watching something on Amazon Prime, they
0: have a function where you can look to see what the person has been in. Whoever's on the screen at that Mm -hmm. moment, it'll show you the actors and you can get information about. Oh, really? It's only on Amazon Prime, Uh, but I do like that. I do like that feature. Cool.
1: Well, I highly recommend it, but it is a mystery. So, I had been thinking I might want to read it, but now that I've seen the movie, I'm like, well, I sort of know yeah. what happens. It's a,
0: it's a mystery by Louis Bayard, mm-hmm. and it involves Edgar Allan Poe's time at West Point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I saw previews for it, and I decided I wanted to read the book before I saw the movie. It has Christian Bale, and I do really like Christian Bale.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, though, I'm like, well, his face, Christian Bale's face in the movie, I'm like, Is this makeup or is he getting, like, older? I mean, like, in the movie, his, just the wrinkles and stuff, which has to be makeup.
0: Well, he's our age. He could have, I, maybe all the wrinkles aren't real. But if his beard was gray, it probably is. No, I
1: was, I was just more like the wrinkles, you know. like like, crow's feet? Yeah, I'm like, holy moly, dude, moisturize. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but again, you know, this, the time period, you know, I'm like, maybe this is a function of sort of the time period. Yeah. So it had Toby Jones in it, who Mm. was in The Detectorist. Yeah, that we've talked about. And it also had the character who played Peter Pettigrew, Timothy Spall. And and Harry Potter, who turned into like a... The rat. The rat. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. He's in it too. Yeah. So, but he looks totally different because he lost a lot of weight. It was a, you know, like a cast that had lots of different... Uh, interesting characters who, who've who also been in Harry Potter or other cool British shows that we've talked about. Cool. So what about you? Well, we watched a, a series over the
0: holidays that I had heard about, um, sort of a thriller, but it's based on a true story called The Watcher uh, on Netflix. And
1: like a true story that happened or a true story that was in a book? No, form. no, a true story Okay,
0: from a couple that lived in Connecticut, I think you know, they fictionalized it somewhat. And it takes place in Jersey, New Jersey, in the series, it is about this couple. And they live in New York City, and they want to get out of the city. And they see this house in suburban New Jersey, and they fall in love with it. So they buy it. They move in, and they start getting some strange letters, like, You know, welcome to 1360 North Boulevard. I can't remember the exact address. But the letters are anonymous and they're kind of creepy. But then they also get this vibe that all of their neighbors are kind of watching them. And really, all of their neighbors are completely wacko. Like, this is like a wacko, upper middle class neighborhood. Like, they're upset that they're doing remodeling
1: on the house. I mean, this sounds like a lot of homeowners <laughs> it, it, does a little little bit. it does a little bit like if you've
0: ever read any of those next door <laughs> oh God. um and but they i don't to- like the plant color that you have <laughs> on your front porch like go get some hobbies people all right i really like it it had bobby carnival yeah. one of the neighbors is uh mia farrow it had some actors in it that you know you would have heard of you know, when I was reading reviews after it, I saw there it, it, it seemed to be either a love it or hate it kind of thing because the ending is a little ambiguous. And so if you're a person who likes everything tied up neatly in a bow, this might not be the series for you. But if but that did not bother me at all. I didn't mind it being ambiguous. In case in fact,
1: sometimes I kind of like that. Except but, when there's a an official cliffhanger
0: well, that's different. <laughs> a cliffhanger is different because it's saying, well, we. More have- to come. Right. Yeah. Okay. If you, if at the end of this, they said more to come, like there's going to be a second season, but then the second season never came,
1: that yeah. might tick me off. Yeah. You know, which sometimes they do So do So, so uh, okay. So is it. Is it the fact that you don't like that ending or the fact that then you're like, well, now I have to do, I have to watch another one or read another one. Like to kind of books, It's because I feel obligated then to
0: read the next one, which maybe I don't necessarily want to do Mm because I'm not really a series reader. Yeah. Okay. But I did it in those. And in the case of those books you're talking about, the Mm -hmm. Truly Devious series, they're pretty short. Okay. They're YA. You can, you know, but it's not like um, Outlander, right? Right, right, right. I mean, each book is like- a thousand pages, right? Something. Like I, I'm not, I'm not up for that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and I've mentioned this this series before on the show, but they had their season finale recently. Is Dairy Girls? I think that might be on Netflix as well. But the third season came out uh, in the fall. We watched it, and it was wonderful. That is a, it's a comedy. It's a, you know, it's a dark comedy. I would say series about uh, these teenage girls. Uh, in Northern Ireland and it's set during the time of the troubles in the 90s before uh, Bill Clinton and the peace process and, and everything. Um but the season finale kind of ends when they sign the deal so that there is peace. And so it's a coming of age where they're getting to the end of high school and they're you know, kind of transitioning, but also Northern Ireland is transitioning. And so, especially the very last uh, episode, I really thought was touching. So if you've never seen Dairy Girls, it is hilarious. It is a bit irreverent uh, about like the the Catholic Church and Ireland and what's going on there. But it is hysterical. But you must turn on the subtitles because their (laughs) accent is very thick to an American ear, I believe. And I think you need to do subtitles did you ever try it dairy girls mm-mm, mm-mm. okay yeah they're 30 minute episodes so oh, you know well, that's a that's nice manageable. thing yeah that's nat- i always management. like a 30 minute show for when you don't have time you know you can't commit to a full hour or right. more. so i will say that if you have watched dairy girls and you're a fan i suggest that you try books by an irish author named michelle galen i talked about one of her books mm-hmm a couple seasons ago called Big Girl, Small Town. And she has a newer one out called Factory Girls. But she's from Northern Ireland. She writes about Northern Ireland with sort of this dark humor. They're a little darker than Dairy Girls, but but has, a, I think, a similar type of vibe. So if you like Dairy Girls, you might try those books by Michelle Galen.
1: Cool. Anyway. Well, I did want to say I got a text from one of my former students. Really kind of cute. And it's about a movie from one of my former students who's now a freshman in college, when I was teaching him, we read All Quiet on the Western Front, which has been turned into a movie. And so he was giving me his review of it. And he said, it was amazing. If I hadn't seen it, it was beautifully directed. And the actor who plays Paul is fantastic. But he told me, watch it uh, with subtitles. don't, Don't dub it. And I responded and i said i did watch it and it was amazing and i loved it and i don't like dub films and his response was let's go i knew i had the coolest teacher dub films are for wimps so <laughs> i just thought that was really funny you know he was very enthusiastic that i watch movies with the subtitles so that was kind of very funny. cool so okay let's end with
0: what new books we have put on our tbr this week
1: all right. Well, I added uh, Gallant because oh, of your okay. review. I've already added that uh, while you were while I was talking m- mid chat. I was adding it because um, I do think I do think that's a good idea. That when you read Mexican Gothic in closer to book. I don't mind reading a book way in advance of book club. You tend to like to read it right before. Anyway, I'll read Gallant around that time of year. You suggested a book to me. uh, Actually, the author, I think, is going to be Carmichael's this week. The book, (laughs) you said this sounds like you. Uh, The book is called Sewer by Jessica Lee Hester. And um, I don't really know anything about it except that it's about sewers and i am pro sewer <laughs> so oh, like
0: this sounds completely <laughs> up your alley there was some book you talked about that had to do with like victorian
1: illness oh yeah yeah, yeah. that was called the ghost map you and it talked a-,
0: a lot about the public sewers yes and yeah so this- that
1: book nothing makes me more angry than people in my neighborhood we were talking about weird hoa people in my neighborhood complaining about you know, how much they spend every two months for Louisville Water and Metropolitan Sewer District. I figured it out for my family. And for my family, it's $3 a day. But it was a minuscule amount of money per day. I'm like, people pay more than this to get coffee at Starbucks every single day of the month. Anyway, I'm thrilled to pay that to not have raw sewage sitting in my house and to have clean drinking water come into my house Water that, you know, some people say is like the best water in the nation. The best tasting water come into my house. Anyway, I'm very much pro sewer. Well, this book, I think, is sort of a creative, journalistic look at the American
0: sewer system, I think.
1: I'm all over it. I'm yeah. all over it. Yeah, I've added that to my list. And then, let's see. I'm surprised I didn't have this. I added The Raven Boys by Maggie Vader. I don't know why I added that. But... Apparently it wasn't on my TBR list. And I think I think my daughter has that book, has a copy of it. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll add it.
0: What about you? Well, one of them is a cookbook called I Dream of Dinner by Allie Slagle, which I put on here because romance and YA writer Gwenda Bond, who was a guest on our show last year, had it on her Goodreads, gave it five stars and said everything that she has made from this has been stellar.
1: And, and Sam Miller mentioned that that was one of the books that she mentioned. oh, was it? it was. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And it's like minimal ingredients and everything is supposed to be easy. And I love to cook. But now I'm kind of at the stage of my life where I don't want to spend a lot of time doing it. So I added that one. I've requested it from the library. And there are a lot I'm on the waiting list. There's a lot of people wanting that cookbook.
1: Okay. Well, when you get that, I want to know what you think of it, and if you and and whether you think I can handle it, if okay. it's even too much for me. Okay. Because one time you did
0: have me go to the bookstore with you to try to help you find a cookbook of things that you could cook, and I think you walked away with nothing. I did. Okay. I'm very picky about cookbooks. And then another one that I added is one of those books that's like a bookstagram made me do it or mm. social media made me do it. It's a book called Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. I mean, I've seen it all over Instagram and all kinds of other things. And authors that I like and admire, like V.E. Schwab, have rated it five stars. But it's it's like, it's fantasy, which is not usually my cup of tea. But it's about an orc. <laughs> Who wants to start the first ever coffee shop in the little city where they're living. I don't know. Don't ask me. That actually sounds
1: like something that I would enjoy more than you.
0: It does. But I added it because I was kind of like, I like the coffee shop part. And I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to dip my toe more into (laughs) fantasy. Let's see how it goes. I don't know. So anyway, those are the last two things that I added to my TBR. Okay. Very good. Well, Carrie, this has been another thrilling Sunday morning with you. <laughs> if you want to see all the books and movies and different things that we talked about today, you can go to our website. You can get show notes there. It's www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at Perks of Being a Booklover Pod and on Facebook at Perks of Being
1: a Booklover. If you like what we're doing on this show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us or leave us a review. Only positive <laughs> reviews on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that may be.
0: And finally, a huge thank you to Ford Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there live or in archives at forwardradio.org.